Welcome into the Halftime Adjustments Podcast. My name is Charlie Gross and I am your host. You can find me on Twitter at Charlie underscore Gross underscore. This is part of the Built in Buffalo Podcast Network. I encourage you to check that out. Also, we have a YouTube channel with a couple YouTube shows on there, one of which I do on Friday nights with my co-host Izzy. I hope you check that out. But right now, I have a very special guest, Eric Hindenburg from Draft Right, to talk some draft prospects with me uh, for you the day before the draft. Ladies and gentlemen of the Bills Mafia, what is up? And once again, I have a very special guest with me this draft season, Eric Hindenburg, the manager of the Draft Right website, is with me today. Eric, how you doing? Hey, Charlie, I'm good. Thanks for having me on, man. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you coming on. I, I think this is a Draft Right is, is a site that I've. Uh, I've held dear in my heart for a while. One of the first draft sites that I actually found when I started doing this stuff. So I'm excited to have you on. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Um, so the way I see it is that there's four kind of I, what I consider major needs for the bills. Um, and let's start with offensive guard. I, f- I feel like, a lot of people are thinking that maybe the Bills do this in the first round with a guy like Landon Dickerson. I think definitely it's, it's, a, it's a top three pick for them for sure. Uh, you know, and, and everybody's got their favorite. Some people really like Creed Humphrey. Like I said, some people really like Landon Dickerson. Uh, you know, some people like Wyatt uh, Davis. So where, what are some guys who you think would, would be a good fit for the Bills or, or some guys that are some solid day, day two picks? Uh, for the day two guys, um, one, I do really, really like this interior offensive line class. Um, you know, you mentioned Dickerson. I don't think that's the direction the Bills will go just because of the injury risk. Right. Because right. I think that's going to be a big factor for a lot of teams a name that I would keep an eye on would absolutely be David Moore out of Grambling State. He's flown a little under the radar, but he is rock solid. Okay. Yeah, I saw him once on the mock draft simulator. <laughs> that's that's my uh, – I was like, oh, you know, and I, so I, I read the, the profile. So he's a guy that did, that did intrigue me based on what, what I had read on um, the draft profile that I saw. He's my eighth-ranked interior offensive lineman. And then Aaron Banks is another one who had a midday two grade. Would be great with y'all's third-round pick out of Notre Dame. Okay. And Banks is just one of those real powerful people moving maulers in the run game. So. Yeah, and the Bills seem to like that that body type. You know, they they have John Feliciano, who is a really great run blocker, and I believe a, a below average pass blocker, but he certainly brings a certain kind of attitude towards the line. Um, they obviously have Cody Ford, who we still don't know really where Cody is. So even though they seem to, to want to run um, more like of a zone blocking scheme as of late, they really do like these kind of powerful guys that can really move people out of the way, uh, you know, bigger frames, stuff like that. Yeah, I think so, too, looking at, you know, the draft history there. Um, I don't know how realistic of a landing spot Buffalo is just because 
I can't really get a feel for his draft stock. Um, I'm kind of on an island with this guy. He's my favorite interior offensive lineman in this class, my top ranked, and that's Trey Smith. Really? Yes, and that is, you know, I'm definitely kind of on my own with that one. But he has got tackle size. I mean, he was the first uh, true freshman to start left tackle in the SEC in over 30 years. When he got to the University of Tennessee, he did well. They moved him to guard, and he flourished. Yeah, and that's a guy who, from my understanding, um, I think was people have concerns with is his footwork a little bit? Is that what the concerns were for some people? Uh, he His footwork and his pass sets is a little inconsistent. Um, he can be a little slow to get off of his base, and sometimes speed coming up, the A or B gap can give him some issues. But if you turn on his best film, it's just downright dominant. And I think the way I worded it when I wrote up my rankings was um, – his best tape is, you know, like a man amongst boys and the rest of it's still pretty damn good. So yeah. I don't know if that's someone who will be considered, you know, at 30 where y'all will be. I don't know if he'll go somewhere in day two. I can't get a feel for his draft stock, but I think he would be a phenomenal player. Yeah, that's good to know. And that's why I like having different people on um, who do – all, all the scouting and, and from different um, websites. Cause I think we can get into a bit of an echo chamber. Um, right. I mean, a lot of, uh, a lot of bills fans will base their stuff off of um, Joe Marino. Cause he does lockdown bills and obviously he's worked for the draft network. And I, I think Joe, you know, Joe's fantastic. He's a friend of mine, but like, I think like, you know, you can get stuck into kind of this thing of, okay, well, there's two or three draft guys that I like um, who I like their content and you kind of get put yourself into this box. So when you get different people on, you get different things. Like, like you just said, like, this is a guy who I, I think, you know, some people have as like a late day, uh, a late third round guy, but like you said, he's, he's your, your top guy. So that's really uh, interesting to me. And that's why I like having different people on. Yeah. Uh, I, that's one thing about, scouting that I love is, you know, no two people should ever see the same guy the same way, you know, with your notable exceptions excluded, but by and large, we're all going to key on different things. And, you know, the offensive line is very near and dear to my heart. I spend a ton of time. In fact, I usually end a draft cycle with offensive line just because of the amount of time I spend on it. And so there's a few offensive linemen who I'm higher on than some others lower in some cases. And Trey Smith is definitely one of those to cycle. Do you think the variance, just in general, um, from, you know, person to person to person, do you think it's based on what people value? Like, like some people will value a certain thing more than another, or do you think it's just that they're seeing – the same thing, but like differently. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, I don't know how else to, to say that. I don't know if that, that makes sense. No, it does. I mean, I think that part of it has to do with the position. Uh, some positions are just hard. You know, I've got positions that I don't feel super comfortable with. They're usually the secondary because it's harder to get the film. 
you know, unless I luck into some all 22, it's a really painstaking process. And I never played in the secondary. And so I think part of the variance is just being unfamiliar because there's so much more nuance into each position than, you know, the casual observer will come to pick up on. And then another aspect you have is uh, a word you've seen thrown on Twitter a lot in groupthink, where a couple of big accounts or blue check marks say something, and then that becomes the quote-unquote truth about a player. Because so-and-so said it, it must be right. And I think a lot of times people don't want to stray too far from the people who have, you know, so to speak, made it in the industry. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of understand that. Um, you know, for me personally, I try not to look at other people's rankings on a player until I've, after, until I've already watched them and at least have some initial thoughts. Yeah, that's, that's a smart idea. Do you think that people don't want to stray because they, it starts to maybe they question if, if they, what they saw was really what they saw or if it's just because they don't want to deal with people on social media telling them like that they don't know what they're talking about. Well, I mean, you, you definitely have your, you know, trolls who will come out online and be like, Oh, you've obviously never watched X, Y, Z or never played X, Y, Z or whatever. And that can be difficult. And then, you know, also you kind of got the whole quote unquote credibility factor. You know, a lot of the, big accounts and check marks, you know, they base a lot of their things, at least in my opinion, on what they're hearing around the league. And so they'll more closely align to those accounts because it's going to make them look more accurate after the draft. Right. But for me, I, I don't, I don't care where people get drafted based on how I have them graded. I care three, four, five years from now, what kind of player they are. Cause that's when I'm going to know if I was right or wrong. I think Trey Smith is the best interior offensive lineman in this class. He might not get picked until the third or fourth round. You know, I had the same thing last year with Tyler Biotis, uh, center out of Wisconsin. I had him ranked um, as a first-round prospect, and he went day three to the Cowboys. And then the snaps he did get as a rookie, he played really well. I won't know if I was right or wrong until, you know, 2024, 2025. Right. So, I mean, it's just a matter of – you know, some people play the long game. Some people care about looking right on draft day. And everyone's got their own reasons for doing their own things. I'm never going to criticize anyone's process who does the work. You know, far be it for me to be on a high horse. You know, yeah. I'm just chasing the dream like anyone else. Yeah, I get you. And I think it's a great point about, um, you know, the guys who are more plugged into the league. Uh, Neil Stratton is doing a podcast series with um, – it's 10 episodes and it's 10 different – people who were um, working on a team during the 2017 draft. And it's really cool. And he had Doug Whaley on to talk about, you know, the Bills trading back and the Chiefs trading up from Mahomes. And Whaley confirmed that for sure. I mean, he basically, you know, he basically, he, I think almost, this isn't word for word, but he basically said, we know, you know, a, a six to seven pick range of where a player is going to go because we just look at the mock drafts, you know, and Neil Stratton was kind of like, what do you, what do you mean? He said like the media mock drafts and, and Whaley was like, yeah, yeah. We just, cause we know that certain guys talk to teams in the league. And so that's where, where we, 
you know, so that I think that's definitely true that that the bigger bigger guys have have connections in the league for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know part of the game. But like I said, with scouting and all this, you know, I'll always come back to the fact that you know after the draft, someone will be like, "You had so and so ranked in the top thirty on your big board. They didn't get drafted in the top 100. I'm like, okay, that's fine. You know, that's my evaluation. That's my process. And, you know, let's talk about it three, four years from now when their career is on its trajectory. Yeah, I guess you, I, I agree completely. Um, moving away from offensive guard and to cornerback, I feel like from what I've read on, you know, the, the prospects and what I've heard other people talk about, that this might be a really, really great corner class. Oh, it's incredible. It's the deepest one I've ever evaluated for sure. And a lot of big guys too, you know, which I think is not always the norm. You mean like bigger frame ones? Yeah. Like, like we're, people in Buffalo are all in on like Melifonwu, Trill Williams, uh, you know, Tyson Campbell, um, you know, guys like that. And, I think partially it's because their their dream of <laughs> of getting someone to, to do that the famed big nickel, um, you know, you need a, a bigger person like that to to take care of a Travis Kelsey, something like that. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't remember maybe this this just sort of this size corner so many of them in in one class. Oh yeah, you've definitely got uh, some bigger guys, and you've got just an incredible amount of athleticism. I mean the relative athletic scores that get formulated. I mean, you've got five guys with like a 9.5 and higher. It's just an insanely good class. Right. And we figure Newsom, uh, Stokes will be gone by 30. Um, you know, maybe two or three other guys. So I think a lot of people are sort of zeroing in, at least from what I've seen, their hopes are sort of maybe, like I said, Tyson Campbell, or they're hoping, you know, maybe Melifonwu was there in the, in the second for sure. And, and, you know, some people think that he'll be there in the third. I don't know about that, but. Well, let me throw two names at you and see what you think about how they fit with the bills. Okay. And I'll be completely honest. I don't follow the bills as closely as I do some other teams. Uh, Obviously (laughs) when we talk about this, I try to, read up a little bit and catch up and make sure that I was at least going to be prepared. Um, One of the guys who I think would be a great fit for the style of play that Buffalo always has is Israel Mugawamu, the guy who plays across from J.C. Horn for South Carolina. Yeah. He's like 6'3", 210. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That fits. (laughs) (laughs) He's physical. Um he is great in the run game, and he's no slouch. Uh, he earned a midday two grade for me, you know, somewhere in the third round. And then another guy who I might even be too low on is Benjamin St. Just out of Minnesota. Uh, yeah. Who yeah. just balled out at the senior goal. Who is an even better athlete than Mukawamu is. Uh, those are two guys, at least from, you know, an outsider's perspective, I can be like, yeah, I can see them being Buffalo Bills. Right. I mean, I, I – to me, and I've never played football, so so obviously I've watched it for a long time. Um, to me, it's a lot of cover two, a lot of cover three. You know, they're they're really trying to sort of 
they're trying to deny space. You know, Edmonds in the middle. He's like six six with this huge wingspan. Um, and I and I feel especially like against the Chiefs with with so much speed and you've got Travis Kelsey and it seems like everyone now is trying to get all these tight ends in the AFC. So so I think the Bills are really just trying to deny space. You know, like we'll let you we'll let you catch a, a four yard pass, but then we're going to be right there and we're not going to let you get any farther. They're not going to let you you know go deep on them or anything like that. That seems to be the philosophy so far. Um, as long as long as McDermott's been there. Yeah, Ben, don't break discipline. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm high on both those guys. I, you know, like I said, I feel like it's just such a deep class. I mean, it is. You can find a starter into day three, in my opinion. Just depends on, you know, corner is one of those positions where scheme and measurables matter for teams. Right. And so you'll have some guys who are going to be so much higher in one team's draft board than another. So there's going to be value to be had so deep into this class just because it's such a great class. Yeah, I, I get you. Um, there's – so we talked a little bit about scouting, um, you know, and, and how different people value different things differently. How did you get into scouting? Um, it's something that I've always wanted to do and always done on my own time. I was that kid from the time I was a teenager, a uh, young teenager, I should say, um, who would write notebooks every year and have my own big boards and do all the mock drafts. And then as it evolved into scouting reports. And it's something that is more than just a hobby for me. It's a passion. Um, I know the chances of ever making it a career you know, per se, or slim, but it's a dream I'm willing to chase and make sacrifices for. And so one day I was like, you know what? I'm just going to make a Twitter account. And so I did, and I was just tweeting into the void, had like, I don't know, <laughs> 40 followers. And then I get a, a DM asking if I'd be interested in joining DraftRite. And I was thrilled. And, you know, so I just kind of made social media my base I mean it's the easiest way to get news it's the easiest way to spread news it's great networking and I mean really that's all it was was me just making a Twitter account and you know eventually someone noticed and it's worked out now that you know I'm overdraft right and it's it's incredible I mean I was in Mobile this year the senior bowl oh that's awesome so if somebody came to you, I mean, is that, is that, and they said, Hey man, I'm trying to get into this space. I know, you know, draft Twitter <laughs> is a very crowded space. Um, you know, what advice would you have for them? And, and maybe they realize too, that, you know, they're probably not going to do that full time. It's a hobby. Like, um, like you said, it is for you. What, what advice would you have for somebody who's just starting out? My advice would be just do the work. You know, get it out there. Either go to one of these websites that lets freelancers publish, bug people who have websites. Um, and if all else fails, do what I did when I started out. Just post your thoughts. If you're doing the work and you're doing the process and you know the game, 
eventually someone's going to notice and all it takes is for one person to say yes. And so like, I'm chasing this dream. I'm chasing this dream. Whatever happens, I'm having a great time. I'm meeting great people. Um, I love the game. I love the scouting process, the grind of it. So my advice would, would be just do it. Even if, if it feels like no one's reading your work, someone's going to eventually and good work gets noticed. Don't get caught up in follower count or clout or any of that nonsense, because if it's something you want to do, just do it. And don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to say, Hey, I want to do this. Can, you know, can you check out my work? Tell me what you think. Maybe retweet it if you like it or give me thoughts. If there's something that you want to learn about a scheme or a player, find someone whose content you think you like, who seems like they know what they're talking about and be like, Hey, can we do a film session or can we just do a Q and a, can I just pick your brain a little bit? You know, never be afraid to ask for help and always, always, always help the next person up. That is my biggest pet peeve uh, in this space is there are some people who get almost egotistical about their takes and about their content and suddenly because they've passed a certain threshold of success or followers that they're too good to mingle with the commoners, so to speak. That drives me nuts. No matter how big you get or how popular you get on social media, be willing to help the next guy up. So do the work, get started. Eventually, if you're good, you're going to get noticed. You know, don't be afraid to knock on doors and always, always be willing to help the next person up with you. Yeah. And I think for me, I'm just, you know, I'm just starting. Um, I've certainly tried to build some relationships. And even when I got into podcasting a few years ago, I really wanted to build bridges within that community. And I think the thing that at first that I, I was scared about in, in both situations was asking somebody whether it was to come on the podcast or asking somebody a question about scouting or something like that. Because I guess from my, it's like, well, why would, for the podcasting, it's like, why would they want to come on my podcast? I have 10 listeners. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how does, it doesn't really help them. And I think the same thing or with scouting, like, like you, it's tough. I think at first to approach somebody who's got like 35,000 followers on Twitter and be like, Hey, you know, do you mind if you, it just feels like awkward. And so I had to conquer that. And once I did, I think what you're saying is true. It is a lot of just about relationships. Oh yeah. I mean, networking is everything. And there are guys on draft Twitter who I reach out to and be like, Hey, I have these thoughts about a player. Tell me what you see. You know, there are people who I actually look out for their content to see how it matches up with mine. And if it's way, way off, I'm like, okay, what am I missing? Or what's the disconnect? And it's definitely intimidating to approach someone with a ton of followers or a ton of success. But despite the reputation that Draft Twitter has, in my experience, the majority of them are just genuine good people. And obviously anyone can be anybody they want on social media. But in my experience, so many more of them are willing to read an article or compare notes or even do a film session. I mean, you see it all the time on draft Twitter, especially late night draft Twitter. I mean, I can, I definitely get like the hesitation jumping in, diving in 
especially if you feel like you're not getting anywhere. But you never get anywhere until you do. Right. I yeah, I agree. You kind of have to just throw that work into the void. <laughs> and 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 trust that somebody's listening or watching or reading or whatever it is that you're you're throwing out there. Yeah, yeah I mean it's just kind of the way you've got to go about it. Yeah, I I agree. Um well that was really cool. I I always like to ask people that stuff when they come on. Let's finish up with the defensive line and I feel like this might it's this is being billed as a very weak defensive tackle class. What's your take on the class? Well, it is weak. Um that's that I mean there's no denying that. Compared to years past, um, especially at the top, there's no clear cut number one. Um I know here recently Christian Barmore has gained a ton of popularity as being the clear cut number one. Right. He's he's my number two, but I'm actually looking at my notes and I've got uh seven players who earned a clear cut day two greater better. Wow. So it is weak, but mind you, I only watched thirteen. I didn't get very deep into the class, unfortunately. But I have one first round grade at the tackle position. And there's a few guys who I really like their potential. But you have more scheme fits than you do building blocks, if that makes sense. You've got a lot of good depth pieces, a lot of guys who are going to be impactful in rotations. But you don't have very many guys who are going to be the defensive tackles to play upwards of 65 75% of the team's snaps. I got you. Um, I, I think Bills fans are searching for that um, one tech replacement for Star Latule. He's 33 and he's playing this year, but he may not play next year. They may cut him. And I think the names that are, that are popping right now for Bills fans are uh, Tyler Shelvin, Aleem McNeil. Um, you know, and I, I noticed something, and I don't know, maybe this is what always happens, and maybe I'm being too picky because I do we do have Ed Oliver who's like 285 playing defensive tackle for the Bills but I feel like a lot of these guys who are billed as one techs are like around 300 305 um so it is there any any guys um who you who you feel could be a, like a developmental one tech uh, out of those guys that you said uh you had the grades on for day two um Aline McNeil definitely is someone who I like a lot especially as a developmental guy. Um, Let's see. Bobby Brown out of Texas A&M is another really good one. He's 6'4", 325-ish. A really powerful guy. And then uh, maybe Kyrus Tonga. Okay, all right. I could see Tonga playing a one-tech if that's what a team wanted to mold him for. Okay, cool. Yeah. And like I said, we're getting some different names. <laughs> it's the, like everyone's just mocking Tyler Shelvin <laughs> to the Bills in every single mock draft that I see, like all the fans. So it's cool to get some different names. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually not that high on Tyler Shelvin. In fact, he is – I'm looking at my notes here. <laughs> my 13th ranked defensive tackle. Really? <laughs> 
All right, Bills Mafia, we're done with Tyler Shelvin. <laughs> Get him out of here. I think it's just his weight, right? Like, that's probably what people see, and they're like, oh, okay, well, good at run defense. Yeah, he's a big body. He can play. Yeah, that's- yeah, exactly. Yeah, I actually uh, have him. He's a late day three guy. Um, late sixth to late seventh round range okay. for me. All right. And then um, edge is a little weird, I think, for a lot of us because you look at it and you say, okay, well, they have Jerry Hughes, who's, I think, 33. They have Mario Addison, who's 34, and maybe didn't do what we thought he was going to do last year. They drafted Epinesa. He's still a work in progress. They signed F.A. Obata off the Panthers who I think actually played a lot of snaps inside last year. And so I think the concern for Bills fans is, isn't really necessarily this year in particular, but Addison's probably not coming back next year. And like I said, Hughes is old. You're still developing Epinesa. So, so who's taking over, right? Like who's the next guy? Um, whether it's Ojolari, Owe, um, you know, almost every guy has been, you know, I don't think they, they take Jalen Phillips due to his off field concerns. Uh, but I think edge is certainly in play for the bills, whether it's at, at certainly, I think in the first three picks. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, I definitely think edge is a position that the Bills should address. And the great thing about this edge group is it gets a worse draft than it should. Because similar to tackle, there's not a real star at the top. Um, But there's a lot of really good football players in this edge class. And a lot of, you know, kind of pick your flavor, you're going to get a good football player. Um, I know one of my favorites in the class is Carlos Basham. Okay. Out of Wake Forest. He's my fourth ranked, and he's super versatile. Uh, He can play inside, outside. He can even drop back and cover the flats if you need him to. So he's the guy who I think is going to be coveted by a lot of teams. Um, I think Pate and Ojolari will both be gone before 30. Yeah. So when you get down, get down into that, you know, kind of day two range, day two, day three, or sorry, round two, round three, I would keep an eye on guys like Basham, Patrick Jones, um, maybe Joseph Asai, though. He's more of a linebacker, in my opinion. Ellerson Smith is the one I would zero in on as a Bills fan. Really? He is big, and I mean, he's like six foot six, six foot seven. I can't remember. Maybe six foot four. Don't quote me on that. I can't really remember his height, but he's long. When you look at him on the field, he looks long. Okay. And obviously, playing for Northern Iowa, they didn't get to play football this year because of COVID. So he gets a Senior Bowl invite. And he shows up to Mobile, Alabama, and he is noticeably stronger and noticeably more twitchier and looked really, really good going, going against guys like Dylan Radunes, Alex Littlewood, everyone who was down in Mobile. And so he is a guy who I would zero in on if they don't address it in the back half of the first round. Um, if they wait till round three, especially, Ellison Smith is a guy who fits right in to that defensive line group, and he's someone who can learn uh, from Hughes and Addison and learn with 
AJ Epinesa, who, by the way, I think is going to be a stud. Yeah, and I and I, it's funny. Brandon Bean said that they uh, had told Epinesa that they wanted him to lose a little weight because I think he was around two eighty five ish, and he like he he went down to like two fifty five or something, and then they said, "Oh no, no, that that's too much." So I think they're really going to work. Um, with him, obviously, this offseason and really kind of get his, his strength and his, his, his frame and his, his diet um, squared away um, for the, this coming season for sure. But, yeah, I mean, he's the guy who I think they were stunned last year that, that he was there at 54. Uh, I mean, I had a first-round grade on him. I was pretty surprised he fell that far. And I heard the same things last year about them asking to lose weight, which actually surprised me because I think he slides right in to that kind of big end role, you know? Right. And that's a thing that, that I all have always thought that the bills were looking for is that big, heavy handed. And, and then Leslie Frazier came out a few weeks ago and said, well, actually, no, we're not really looking like, and I, and I said, well, that's confusing to me because that's, you know, what you drafted. So it was just really surprising that, that they said that. So, cause we were thinking, okay, they don't, they, they aren't as likely to take a guy who, who's bendy and a little smaller, you know, but maybe they are. Maybe that's what they're looking for. Maybe they'll look at a guy like Ronnie Perkins out of Oklahoma this year, who's definitely got that bend and that quickness. Yeah. I wish I could decipher this more. It's, it's very frustrating. <laughs> you know, I'm like, man, I don't know what they're going to do, what they're, what they're looking for. And, and maybe they are just going to take, you know, the, the top guy on, on their board, regardless of who it is. I don't know. I mean, I try to keep my bias, like my fandom off of my Twitter account, but most people know that I'm a Jaguar fan and I, I, I feel you. I've got no idea what they're doing, especially with the new staff and regime. So I just, you know, I focus on the scouting side. I'm a fan on Sundays. Yeah. Okay, well, let me ask you then. Um, I'll, because there's, I listen to the Locked On Jaguars podcast all the time, and f- for me, from an outsider's point of view, obviously, I have some skepticism about Urban Meyer, right? Like coming from college, like it's not the same building a program. What, what do you, what do you think about the hire? So, the way I felt about the hire when it happened was. I'm happy that Shad Khan went out and landed a big fish. You know, this was not a Doug Marone retread from the Gus Bradley regime. No, he went out and he got a big name who's going to draw attention. I mean, he's a big fish. There's a lot of yeah. NFL teams who would have loved to have had the chance to, you know, coax him to the NFL. And plenty have tried over the last decade and a half. So that side of it, I liked the idea behind the hire a lot more than I did the hire itself because I do have this skepticism about, you know, how long is he going to hold up? He's medically retired twice. Uh, The handling of the domestic violence situation with one of his coaches, obviously is something that gives me pause. He tried to bring on that strength and conditioning coach, which was a no go. And Jacksonville's locker room is very, very, um, what's the right phrase? They're mad. <laughs> right? Well, I mean, like, they're mad. Like, they were, like, I don't know. It seemed like they were really mad at I mean, Caldwell. the Jaguars, 
the Jaguars held a march from their stadium to the police station as a peaceful protest to actually have open dialogue with the local cops on there, not to get into politics or anything, but they're a very socially justice-minded law firm. You know, those guys care about that community. Jacksonville's a very diverse community. And so that definitely gave me pause. Like, are there going to be some players who are going to take, you know, super big issue with him trying to bring in a coach who was accused of the things that that strength and conditioning coach was accused of. But everything I've heard is that the players are buying in. Everyone's super excited. He's really energetic. Um, I'm optimistic. I'm a lot more optimistic because I know we're getting Trevor Lawrence. Right. <laughs> yeah, that helps. You know, a good, I mean, a good quarterback will cover a lot of other warts. And so, like I said, I, I really, really liked the idea behind the hire. And it was nice to see Shot Colin, you know, try to show the people who buy season tickets that, hey, I'm trying, guys. Because the team's been bad for a long time. We've had like three winning seasons in my adult life. So, yeah. Um, outside of 07 and 2017, those were the only two years where I was like, hell yeah, I'm a Jacks fan. This is awesome. <laughs> every other year, it's like, uh, it's another reason to drink. But, you know, I'm optimistic. I've come around a little bit. Okay. Yeah, I, I was just wondering because, like I said, I, I listened to that podcast and um, the guy who does the hosting, I, from at least the way I'm hearing him talk, I'm like, man, he's all in. <laughs> I, I'm like, geez, like – the, he's he's drinking the Kool-Aid hard down there. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today, Eric. Of course, man. Always happy to do it. Always. Um, before we wrap this up, why don't you tell the people where, where they can find you and your content and, and draft right and all that stuff? Uh, NFLDraftRight.com is the website. That's where you'll find – you know, what published works we do have. Uh, I've got a great team over there, very diverse team. Um, my Twitter handle is at Hanneberg Scout. And if you actually go look at it, I actually posted in a thread my official prediction for Thursday night's first round of the draft. Absolutely. All 32 picks with a few trades included. So, yeah, definitely check it out. Check out the rest of the team. You know, check out the website. And, you know, it means more than I can say, truly. And, Charlie, you know I appreciate the hell out of you. Yeah, man. I, I really appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on the podcast. And, uh, you know, you're, people don't know this, but when we were talking earlier, you know, about sending people messages about scouting, <laughs> I think I've sent you some, some messages about scouting, and you, you were nice enough to give me uh, some advice and stuff. So I really appreciate that, too. Of course, man. And we still need to have that film session we've been trying to plan. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Thanks, Eric. Thank you, man. And I would like to thank Eric Hindenburg of DraftRight for coming on the show. I really appreciate him coming on there. Um, I'd like to thank anyone who listened. I would hope that you would like or subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. Also, I hope you check out the Built in Buffalo YouTube channel and the Built in Buffalo podcast network, the rest of the podcasts on there. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at Charlie underscore gross underscore. You can find Built in Buffalo at Built in Buffalo underscore. With that said, Bill's Mafia, find a way to embrace your growth mindset. Mindset, and as always, trust the process.